Early on the first of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, but the tomb it was empty, the stone had rolled away, and she wept in the cool of the day. The angels, they said to Mary, Woman, tell me, why do you weep? They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where he's laid, so I weep here in the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and God walks in this garden, in the cool of the day. Then Jesus, he says unto her, Woman, tell me, whom do you seek? She says, if you are the gardener and you've taken him away, tell me where and I'll take him with me. Then Jesus, he calls out a name. Mary, don't you see that it's me? She says, teacher, if it's you, it's too good to be true that you walk here in the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and God walks in the garden, in the cool of the day. Then Jesus, he said unto her, Mary, don't you hold on to me, but go to my friends and say what I will say. I'll return in the cool of the day. Mary ran to find them and say, I have seen the Lord there today. He is off to be with God in the garden of the Lord, but he'll return in the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and God walks in the garden, in the cool of the day. God walks in the garden, in the cool of the day. The Bible, you may recall, begins in a garden. Gan Eden. That's Hebrew for garden. Our Bible ends in a garden, in paradise. That's Persian for garden. And for me, the crucial moment of the whole biblical story, this ancient and current story of grace 
and disappointment. The story of hope and the chance at love. Well, that moment, that crucial moment of the story for me also happens in a garden. According to John's gospel, there was this tomb very handy, very close to the spot where Jesus was crucified. And that tomb was in a garden. And so to that garden came Mary Magdalene early on the first day of the week in the cool of the day. She came alone. The last disciple left. The others were in hiding. They'd gone underground after Jesus was arrested. They were afraid for their lives. Things had gone terribly wrong, like a really bad April Fool's joke. They'd gone, in fact, terribly and tragically wrong. And they all went into hiding. They all went underground. And they'd stayed underground. They'd stayed safely underground. And why not? Wasn't Jesus himself also underground? Forever underground. So why not stay there, underground, safe underground? What's the point of standing up? They'd all gone to ground, except for Mary. Except for Mary, the last disciple left. The last one standing. Because she just can't stay underground. And so Mary comes to this garden in the cool of the day. She comes because she can't stay away. Just as she couldn't stay away from Jesus as he died, drawing nearer and nearer to the foot of the cross while most of the other disciples had fled in their fear. And now she can't stay away from him even in his death. Mary walks to the garden while it's still dark in the cool of the day and she sees this, that the rock that had covered the tomb was gone. It was gone. Not knowing what to think, she runs and she gets Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And they run back and they see what she saw and they believe and they leave. They believe and they leave. But Mary doesn't know what to believe and she can't leave. So she stays in the garden alone, weeping. And then there are angels. Aren't there always? In those moments that are toughest, when we're utterly alone, when we don't know what to do or where to go or how to be, somehow, there are angels, or there should be. And sometimes, you and I get to be the angels. A group of us were walking through Central Park on Friday evening on our solemn journey with the cross, carrying our 11-foot cross up through Manhattan from Times Square to the church here, when suddenly, in the middle of Central Park, I hear this loud, wailing noise, and, and I think, unusual, but it's New York, so whatever. And then I hear it again, and again, and the wail dissolves into a desperate shriek. Cooper! Cooper! Oh, that was just like what it was. And we turn around and we see a very anguished woman chasing a very happy dog. Instantly, our solemn cross procession dissolves as we all scramble to chase or, or lure or try to herd this errant dog. 
Cooper, of course, thinks all of this is amazing fun. <laughs> and he bobs, and he weaves, and he darts between us, and he dodges around us. Until finally he's cornered. And as I grab him by the scruff of his little neck, the woman, still weeping, slips Cooper's halter around him and says to us, You guys are angels. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt your procession or whatever it is you're doing. (laughs) And I tell her, we needed some excitement right about then. (laughs) And how often do you get to be somebody's angel? And I thought to myself, probably not as often as we need to be. Mary is nonplussed at the sight of her angels. Why wouldn't there be angels for her as there should be for us, for each of us, for all of us? And these angels talk to her and they ask her, woman, why are you weeping? In a way, it's a funny question, isn't it? It's a funny question then, and it's a funny question now. Why shouldn't she weep? Why shouldn't we weep? We have so much to weep about. School kids gunned down like so many targets, like so many clay pigeons. Young black men shot for being in the wrong right place at the wrong right time. No sooner does Mary answer than the one that she's weeping for, looking for, yearning for, is right there, right behind her. And all she has to do is turn around and see. And she turns around and she doesn't see. She sees a gardener. An ordinary person, not her Lord. Too scruffy and too messed up to be her Lord. Of course, if you had spent two or three days in a tomb, you might look pretty scruffy too. And this gardener speaks to her and asks her why she's weeping. Asks her who she's looking for. And she talks to him. She pleads with him, but she doesn't know him. Of course she doesn't know him because she knows the one that she's looking for is dead. She doesn't know him, but he knows her. She doesn't know him until he calls her by her name, Mary, Mary, possibly the sweetest four-letter word in our Bible. And she turns and calls him Rabunai. Rabunai, my teacher. It's a term of affection and it's a term of respect. It's a term and a designation that requires and assumes a relationship. John tells us it's Hebrew. It's really Aramaic, whatever. We don't rely on John for his linguistic abilities. We don't need him to distinguish Aramaic from Hebrew. What's significant, though, is that Aramaic is the day-to-day language of the time, the language Jesus actually spoke, rather than Hebrew, which is the language at that point of the scriptures, or Greek, which was the language that John himself wrote in. Now, he translates a lot of the story that he's heard, and he brings to his people, his community, his readers. But this word, Rabunai, he leaves it alone. My teacher, my great teacher, my dear my beloved teacher, Rabunai. In whatever language, it's the language of relationship. It's the language of mutual respect. It's the language of love. 
That's what she says and that's what he hears. We don't always speak each other's languages, right? But we can learn. We can all and each learn the language of relationship. That's the whole purpose of language. If I get a text from my son Harry, I may not understand a whole lot of it. I may not understand any of it. But if I look closely and respond accordingly, to the best of my ability, I find that we're speaking a language of relationship, a language of respect, a language of love. That language of relationship, that language of respect, that language of love is the one that Jesus knows. It's the one Jesus uses. It's the one that always comes from Jesus and through Jesus. He uses that language to speak to Mary, and he uses that language to speak with me, and he uses that language to speak with you, that language of relationship and respect and love. He uses it to speak with each of those who call ourselves his and tells us to feed his sheep. He tells us to insist on his justice. He tells us to live his compassion and to do the work he came to do until he returns in the cool of the day. Jesus, he says unto me, do you like this garden so free? You may live in this garden if you keep the people free, and I'll return in the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and God walks in the garden. In the cool of the day. And Jesus, he says unto me, Do you like my pasture so green? You may live in this garden if you will feed my sheep, and I'll return in the cool of the day. Now is the cool of the day. Now is the call of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and we turn in the garden, in the cool of the day. Now is the call of the day. Now is the call of the day. This earth is a garden, the garden of my Lord, and God walks in the garden, in the cool.